Sir Ian Buckland decided it had been a mistake to agree to the meeting, despite Conway's insistence upon its importance. Friday, after all, and Conway knew damned well he always went out of London on a Friday, just as Conway invariably did. And sooner than this, too. What the hell was there that couldn't wait until Tuesday? Nothing, Buckland knew. Absolutely nothing. Buckland looked needlessly at the desk clock, establishing that Conway was more than half an hour late, either testing the humidity of some Havana Havana, or debating with the sommelier the superiority of the vintage Dow against the 1969 Ware. Buckland sighed. Fiona had said she understood when he telephoned, but he thought he detected an edge to her voice. It was still new enough for him to care about upsetting her. Bloody man. Buckland thrust up and began pacing the chairman's office, which was his by title, but hardly by occupation, needing positive movement in his irritation. It was a large room originally designed by his grandfather, and panelled still in dark Victorian teak, creating the impression of frames. In each square there was either a photograph or a print of one of their hotels throughout the world. London to the immediate right, Europe next, then Africa, and finally India. Along the outer wall, where the windows overlooked Leadenhall Street, the shipping fleet was in mottled convoy, seven glass-encased liners steaming majestically back towards the desk that Buckland had vacated. He walked jerkily, trying to reassure himself the day could still be salvaged. Another fifteen minutes, and he'd abandoned the confounded man altogether. He could be at Fiona's by three, and down to the Hamble by late afternoon. The Yard were expecting him, and knew it was more than their worth to close before he got there. He could have the yacht out into the Solent and into refit sea trials before the evening, and then an uninterrupted weekend with a woman who made love as if she'd invented it, and was anxious to share the secret. He was striding purposefully back towards his desk and the door that led to the outer office when the intercom sounded. He was annoyed that he hadn't made the decision earlier, to avoid being trapped. He punched the button and hoped Conway would detect the annoyance in his voice. If he had, there was no indication of it having made any impression when the deputy chairman entered the room with his steady, measured tread. Lord Conway was plump, white-haired, and port-mottled, the sort of British business director chosen as much for his lineage of four centuries as for his business acumen. The man carried a cigar still four inches long. He paused by Buckland's desk to dislodge a ring of white ash. "'You said two o'clock, George,' reminded Buckland. "'Unavoidably delayed,' said Conway, without an apology. "'I have an appointment.' Buckland remained standing. Conway nodded, settling himself expansively in one of the soft leather armchairs fronting the desk. "'Necessary that we talk this through, Ian,' he said. Reluctantly, Buckland settled himself behind the desk. What? he demanded. If Conway could be discourteous, so could he. Conway moved his head again, absent-mindedly, suddenly interested in the burn of his cigar. We've got a good finance director in Henry Smallwood, he said. What the hell are you talking about? said Buckland. Smallwood was their most junior director, a round-bodied, round-faced man. Even his spectacles were circular, making him appear exactly as Buckland regarded him. 
a clerk. Came to see me yesterday, disclosed the deputy chairman. Something he can't understand in the accounts. Buckland sighed, looking at the desk clock again. Couldn't this have waited until Tuesday, George? Condway raised his eyes from the cigar, shaking his head. There's a company check with your signature on it, Ian, for £635,000, made out to Lineman Properties, and provisionally entered under investment. Buckland's annoyance leaked away. It was a private matter, he said shortly. Condway shook his head again, and Buckland was reminded of his housemaster at Eton. He'd smoked cigars, and drunk port, and been patronizing. It's a company check said the deputy chairman. Buckland House is my company.